A friend of mine works in the entertainment industry. He manages comedians and TV personalities and he puts on tours both here in the UK and in the States and he represents some quite big names. And one of the reasons he has such a good reputation uh, in the business and why he's so well liked by the acts he manages is his foresight. He can see when something's about to go wrong, often long before anyone else can, and is able to either avoid whatever's coming or get some damage limitation in place. But like everyone else in the, in the live entertainment industry, he has had a miserable year. It's been a, a tough year for lots of businesses, but entertainment has to be among the hardest hit of all. And earnings for my friend have gone from very nice, thank you very much, to zero. Turnover has stopped. And my friend will be fine, he's made good money over the years, but it's still amazing watching an industry not even grind to a halt, just halt almost overnight. And there have been grants to help him out, but I think the most difficult thing has been to deal with the false dawns. Every time it's looked as though there was finally a chance to get back to normal and things were opening up, plans have been scuppered. And all the effort that goes into putting on a show, booking the date, securing the staff and crew, sorting out the publicity, the technicals, meeting the new and ever-changing and often inconsistent regulatory requirements, let alone writing and rehearsing the material, is suddenly torpedoed. And so he now lives in a, in a state of paranoia every time Boris Johnson or the health secretary make an announcement because he knows the goalposts are about to be shifted. But when Covid came along last year, my friend was, I think, probably one of the quickest of anyone I knew to see the, the long-term dangers. I had one friend in New Zealand, a, a Bitcoin gazillionaire who'd been warning me for weeks and had holed up in his <laughs> mansion with a year's worth of supplies. But him aside, entertainment manager Howard was ahead of the pack. And he said to me, I could see what was coming. Uh, and he went on, most of my money's in property, but what I had in the stock market, I sold. And the stock market is now quite a bit up on where I sold. But, and we were actually talking last Monday, it's down 2% today. It's not looking good at all. Finally, people seem to be waking up to the havoc this has caused in the real economy. Now, Howard is right. Stock markets do not reflect what is going on in the real economy. And for the sake of clarity, I'm talking about the US indices as well as those in the UK. If stock markets did reflect what was going on, they would be much lower. Howard's logic is reasonable. The real economy is struggling, especially in the industry he works in. And so what he's immersed in and seeing every day is not being reflected in prices. The chances of going back to normal look slim, the virus is ongoing, and the ongoing reality is that the goalposts could be shifted at any moment and any recovery derailed. But there's one huge assumption that Howard is making, without even realising it perhaps. He's assuming that money is sound. He's ignoring the fact that new money is being created every day, whether by the issuance of debt or by digital printing, and most of that money goes straight into financial markets. Some 
have access to the capital. Most, especially in the daily grind of the entertainment industry, don't. So money supply may be tight in the foothills of laughter, but it isn't at the corporate or government level. It is a two-tiered economy. He's on one tier and mistakenly assumes all the other tiers are the same. They aren't. Now, in the 1980s, when interest rates were in the 5 to 10% range, people saved their money in a bank or a building society and they were paid a reasonable level of interest. Now, with rates suppressed, no such vehicle exists. Oops. <laughs> and the model of saving your money in a bank or a building society is dead. What is even the point of, of a savings account? Most of us only have one out of legacy. Banking may be, may be a great vehicle for payments, but not for savings. And so the stock market, especially the S&P 500, has become a savings vehicle. When you buy the S&P 500, in part, you're placing a bet that the American economy is gonna grow and prosper, but you are also simply gaining exposure to America's savings. And while interest rates stay low and money creation is plentiful, and think of the money creation that happens simply by leverage and gearing, money will make its way into the stock market. And every time everybody earns and anybody earns anything and saves, that's money will make its way into the stock market. Furlough money they're paid will make its way into the stock market. That's not supposed to be <laughs> what investing in a market is about. It should be about understanding a company and its chances. But with tracker funds, ETFs, low interest rates, QE and all the rest of it, that is what stock markets have become, a savings vehicle. Such is the economic distortion of today's markets. And one day, it will all go belly up, of course. But that day is not today. Famous last words. And you just need to see the spring with which the S&P 500 bounced back from last Monday's correction. It was a straightforward bounce off the 50-day moving average, in effect. So Howard, my canny entertainment manager friend, is right. Markets do not reflect what is happening in the real world. But what is happening in the financial world is rather different. And stock markets do reflect that. As long as there is money being saved or printed, <laughs> the S&P 500 will have buyers. As long as there are buyers, there will be leverage. And leverage means more buying. And it will carry on until it doesn't. Thanks very much for watching. Please subscribe to my channel and I'll be back with another video very soon. Until then, cheerio.